Good morning, y'all. If y'all would stand for the call to worship. The reason we were delayed this morning is because our printer wasn't working, and so I usually come in and print my sermon in the morning, so that was uh, getting really interesting, but the Lord provided. So uh, our call to worship this morning is Psalm 107. Uh, just remember, this is a, a two-way, three-way street. Um, we are here to facilitate worship. You are here to engage in worship with us and with the Lord. And there's a lot of moving parts, but don't miss that you are a very important piece of this. And so um, take this opportunity um, as we call you into worship to bring yourself into worship. And as you sing and as you listen, um, that you're doing that with a, a heart that is open. You're asking the Lord to come and do something in me to help me to be able to be present and participate. So this is from Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. He satisfies our soul, and He has given us a city to dwell in, so let's worship Him. Rejoice in His great love, oh praise Him. 
Father, we, we serve a God who is so good and so powerful and is always faithful. And even if uh, my printer broke and I had nothing to come up here with, um, I, don't, I don't have nothing. I have everything because I have you. We have you. We have your word. We have your spirit. We have your presence in this people here. Um, and we are here to worship because you have gathered us here to worship. And so we just celebrate that you are the lion. Lord, you are the one who cannot be tamed. You cannot be stopped. And you were good, and you were working out your goodness and your good purposes in all of our lives. And you're doing it at all times, in every way, even when it feels painful, even when it feels the opposite of good for us. It is always good because you are always good, and you've committed yourself to your people, and you love us. And so here we are, Lord. Here we are again. Uh, you call us here to gather every week uh, to hear from you because we need you. We need to be met by you in this way in this place. And so, Lord, would you come in your spirit and do your work, do your surgery uh, to continue to give us life and to keep your promise to make us just like your son. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Um, so I want to tell you a story that's a, a frequent story in our house of young boys. We have four young boys right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of times on Saturdays we'll, we'll go and we'll plan a lot of fun stuff to do, and we'll go and do stuff that they love, and stuff as a family, and everybody's laughing and having a great time, like, I don't know, an average Saturday, maybe like going to a place, like yesterday we went to Radnor Lake, and hiked around, and got to look for animals, and just run and play, and then we had played some basketball, played out in the yard, went to a fun lunch, um, got to do Christmas movie night, and uh, so the Christmas movie, uh, what we do is we throw out some options and then we ask the boys what they want to do. And if they choose different movies, then I'll put a number behind my back and whoever gets closest to the number, we get to watch their choice. And uh, so we get to bedtime and we're having our bedtime conversations about how was the day and what are we thankful for and all this stuff. 
And a lot of times what happens is we get to the end of the day after all the smiles, all the laughter, all of the cool things that we get to do, and it's, uh, I didn't have a good day. And it's, okay, why? Well, because my brother's, my brother got to choose what movie we watched, and so the whole day was bad. <laughs> They're like, wow, okay. <laughs> um, all of that for, for this moment here. Um, and it's, you know, it's just this brother getting to choose the movie, me not getting my first choice. Let's not, I mean, let's, let's also mention the fact that we love also the movie that the brother chose. It just wasn't my choice. Um, but that just clouds everything. It's like, it's like putting a, a black dye in water and it just totally clouds the, your vision to see everything. And it shapes the way you see everything. And um, that happens in our lives too. It's not just when we're kids, right? It's, you know, we have all these good gifts from the Lord. We have all these, the grace in which we stand. And the Lord comes and, and gives himself to us in so many beautiful, wonderful ways. And then something happens, something goes a different direction, something goes a way that we didn't want it to go or we didn't expect it to go, and now all of a sudden uh, we've got vision problems. And Jesus says, I, I love you too much to allow you to stay in this place. And so um, that's what we're talking about today. And we are continuing, this is actually our last week of our series, Thy Kingdom Come. Before this, we did a series on uh, the priesthood of all believers. What does that mean? It means that God's people are a kingdom of priests people who are close to God and who uh, invite others into that closeness. Okay, great. How do priests live? Well, God's given us his commandments for that. And so this series, we've been walking through the Ten Commandments. We've been walking through them with Jesus, letting him take our hand. Um, our working definition of commandments are they are pathways to God, with God, um, to experience life in God. And so Jesus, through parables and through encounters he has with people, is interpreting the commandments for us so that we as God's people, as his priests, um, can walk these roads of intimacy with him. And so today we are, we are talking about uh, what it means to not covet. And uh, we're not going to read, we're not going to get into that quite yet. We're going to wait until we move into our passage here. But here's where we're going. Um, if you're a note taker, uh, I got a job. I got a job. I hate my job. My boss says I need glasses, and I can see. And so that's where we're headed. Uh, it's four points, so that's exciting because usually it's three points. So um, an intro to our passage. Uh, this, this parable that Jesus tells comes right on the heels of our interaction with uh, the rich young ruler. So if you have been following this series, you remember that encounter. And Jesus talks to this man who has a lot of resources, and then he says in Peter's presence, um, man, it's really hard for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And, um, but with God, all things are possible. And, and Peter watches Jesus' invitation, leave everything, come follow me, and you'll have treasure. And then he sees this man walk away, unable to leave everything and follow Jesus. And then he says, wait a second. I've left everything to follow you. What am I going to have? What do I get for that? And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, we got to deal with this. And so that, that gets to our passage, which is this parable that he tells in response to his interaction with Peter. So we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. 
And I apologize in advance. Um, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, I think the screen is NIV. So it's okay, guys. We're good. Uh, Here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And then about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because nobody has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now those who were hired first came, and they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the word of the Lord. And we need to hear it. Okay, so, so we're going to start here with, I got a job. Um, and just stop here and think about, for y'all who are out of college, think about the thrill of getting your first job. You have no experience. You have no idea what you're doing. And somebody says, yes, I will pay you to come and work here. And you're like, you know, you just celebrate that, right? You run home, tell your friends, tell your family, I got the job. And everybody's excited. And so, here in this, in this passage, um, something we need to know about this culture is what would happen, and it still happens to this day in places in the Middle East, um, there would be a, a corner in the village or the town where people who did not have consistent work, where men who didn't have consistent work would gather. And everybody knew that this was the, this was the corner in the town where you would go if you needed day laborers. And so you would drive to this corner you would say, hey, I need five guys. Here's what I'm going to pay you. And then, then you would choose the five guys that you want, and you would take off. And so this was just kind of the place where that would happen. And so these day laborers, uh, they need a job. They need money. They need to have provision for their family. And so they would go very early in the morning because they wanted to be first. And they would stand. They wouldn't sit. They would stand at the ready. So when somebody came, they would step out, raise their hand, say, hey, I'm ready to go with you. So these guys were desperate. They needed work. They needed the money. And so in our passage, the master goes and he hires some of the laborers that are standing at this corner. And he says, hey, it's the beginning of the day. I need you to come work in my vineyard for the whole day. So I'm going to pay you a full day's wage. And this was denarius was a day's wage. It was like a a living wage. This is what people would need to survive. And they were overjoyed. They were thankful. Thank you. I can't believe I have a job today. And, and the Lord has provided for me. And so here we go. And they went and they worked in the vineyard. They had dignity. They had provision. This is a gift. They're experiencing some things. They're experiencing gratitude. 
They're experiencing contentment. They're experiencing joy. But we quickly begin to see that this master is different. He is not, he's doing some very strange things compared to other people who would, who would have a vineyard and hire people to come work in his vineyard. First, he returns to the same street corner four times in one day. Nobody did that. That would be the fruit of, of one of a couple things would have to happen. Um, p- people would barely ever return once to the street corner uh, in the same day because you know what you need. And so you go, you hire the guys that you need. So the only reason you would be coming back to that same corner in the same day was if, one, you were a total moron and you had no idea what you were doing and you are like, oh man, I need more workers. Let's go on back and get some more. Or if something catastrophic happened, I mean, if the people working got sick or they got injured and you just had to go get replacements, that's the only reason you're coming back. But this guy came back four different times, including... His last trip was in the 11th hour. Think about that. We know what that phrase means, right? The 11th hour, it's like the very end. It's at the last second. Why in the world would the master of this vineyard come and hire people at the 11th hour? By the time you got them back to the vineyard, it's almost time to pack it in for the day. It's like, that is strange. That is strange behavior. The second thing that's strange about this master is that we discover halfway through the story that he has a foreman. Some of these vineyard owners, if it was a small operation, then maybe the master was doing everything himself. But if it's a larger operation and he has more wealth, then he would have a foreman, and the foreman's job would be to go and do this very thing. The foreman would go into the marketplace. The foreman would go to this street corner, and he would hire these men for the master. But we learned that the master has a foreman, but he's still the one going to the street corner four times in the same day. Like, what gives with that? And then the third thing that's strange is that he pays all of these men the same. Even these men who came and did one hour of work, he pays them a day's wage. Nobody did that. Nobody did that. They didn't work a full day, but they still needed a full day's wage to provide for their families. This man, this master, is good and compassionate and generous. And he does something else too. He reverses the payment order because he wants the workers hired first to watch everyone else get paid. Because remember why Jesus is telling this parable. He's telling this parable for Peter's sake. Remember Peter asking that question, what am I going to get? If these guys can barely get in, then what's waiting for me? And he's telling this parable for our sake too. He needs us to see that this master pays those who got hired at the 11th hour the same. So now we're going to slide into our second point. Uh, I hate my job. By the day's end, those workers that were hired first are singing a very different tune about their employment. They are no longer grateful. They are no longer content. They are no longer joyful. They complain to this good and generous master and they feel that somehow they've been slighted and that it is just not what? 
fair. Mm. Fair, that word will crush some life and some joy, won't it? It does in our house. Listen to how they see their situation differently in the evening. Listen to the kind of things that they say to the master. You have made them equal to us. They are not equal to us. That sounds very different from a man standing on the street corner in the early morning hours hoping that he gets a job. They also say, we have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. That word burden is like a particularly burdensome hardship. So first, this work was a joy and a gift, and now it is just this burden. And it wasn't just a hot day, it was scorching. It was awful. Wow, what happened? What happened over the course of this day to completely transform the way that these people are seeing their life? It's the shift of focus from the master's relationship with them to the master's relationship with other people and my relative, perceived relative position to these other people. Their issue is not with how the master is treating them. Their issue is with how the master is treating and extending grace to other workers in the vineyard. And now we get to our other passage, which is from Exodus 20, verse 17, the 10th commandment, and I'll read it for us. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Uh, The Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 81, says this, The 10th commandment forbids all discontentment with your own estate, envying or being sorrowful at the good of your neighbor, and all inappropriate moves and affections toward anything that is his. So we need to stop here and and ask the question, what do I covet? What are the things that I covet? When When I look at other people's lives, and I see what they have, when I see my friend's spouses, or my friend's significant others, when I see the wealth that they have, the things that they're able to purchase, the vacations that they're able to go on, the clothes that they're able to wear, the lifestyle that that affords them, when I see their physical appearance, that they're attractive, they're in shape, they're more desirable than I am. Even their, their abilities. I just wish... I want to be as good at this as they are. Just stop for a second and take stock of all the thoughts that you have like that throughout your day. And here's the tricky part. Most of those thoughts, because we are sharp, most of those thoughts are subliminal. 
We just metabolize them, and they just become a part of the way that we think. We don't actively stop and think, wow, look at that person's blank. I wish I had that. No, no, it's, it's much more subtle than that. But if you look at your motivations, if you look at what causes your mood to change, like I'm having a great time until I see that you have a little bit more of a great time and now I'm not having a good time at all. Isn't that crazy how that works? So it's like these workers are saying uh, something really, really nonsensical, and it's the same thing that I say, too, with my life, and maybe you say it as well, is that we go back to the master and say, give me, give me the grace that I deserve. <laughs> like, that doesn't even make sense, but I am demanding it. I don't care that it doesn't make sense. Give me the grace that I deserve. And so now, we're going to slide into our third point here. My boss says I need glasses. We need some help. And watch this master as he graciously, very graciously, deals with these discontented workers. He helps them see reality for their good. Listen to this. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 22-23, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Like we need to deal with this now because this is a great darkness that is crushing your soul. And I love you too much to let you sit in this. Because what's happening when I covet is the very thing I was made for. Remember what God says about these commandments and what Jesus tells us about the commandments. If you want to know what these commandments are, they are pathways to life. And to sum it all up, it's, it's loving God with everything you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. And when I covet, I cannot do either of those things. A.K.A. I cannot do what I was made for. I cannot engage in life the way that I was created to engage in life because when I covet, I am the ultimate authority. I decide what's right. I decide what's fair. I decide what's just. I decide what I deserve. I decide what you deserve. I decide what is owed to me. I become God. And so now contentment, joy, gratitude, all of that is impossible. All of that just goes out the window and into the trash can. Contentment, joy, and gratitude are only possible when God is God. And I'm aware of that. And I'm submitting to him. And that's what, that's what this master is saying. That's what Jesus, it's like Jesus is doing a little puppet show for Peter to teach him this lesson. And so the master, a.k.a. Jesus, is saying to Peter, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And he's saying that to us too. And he says so tenderly, this is so important, and it can sound harsh, but it is so, so kind of him to tell us this. You are not in charge. That's like, that's something that I think I say to our kids more than anything else. And it's a gift. 
you are not in charge. And when you can live in the reality of you not being in charge, it takes a lot of weight off your shoulders because now you don't have to worry about what's fair because that's not your call. You know, what this master is saying is, listen, what you are doing now is wrong. You are very lost because I made an agreement with you to pay you a day's wage for a day's work, and I have been faithful to you, and I've been good to you because I came and hired you. Now what you're doing is you're trying to tell me how I can treat my other employees, and you have no right to do that. You need to remember who you are. You need to remember who I am. Because now this has got you twisted to where you think that I am somehow bad, and I am good. I've only treated you with goodness and kindness and generosity. When he says, or do you begrudge my generosity, the literal translation for that is, is your eye bad because I'm good? Did my goodness harm you? Did my goodness make your eye bad? What we just read about, you know, the eye is the lamp of the body. Or did my goodness just expose your blindness? And that's why I wanted you to watch me pay these other workers because I knew that you had this problem. And I love you. I love you. That's why I'm telling you this because this is not okay. And the gospel is this. You know, these workers are complaining. You have made them equal to us. And what Jesus is saying to us in the gospel is, no, no, no. You are equal to them because you are all here in the vineyard by my grace. You are all desperately in need. You are all standing on the street corner in your shame and your humiliation. And I came and hired you. I came and gave you work. I came and gave you life. I came and gave you provision. Think about this master. Why does he go back? four different times in the same day to the street corner because he cares deeply about these men that they would have what they need. He has compassion on the least of these. He keeps circling back, and when he sees that they haven't been hired by somebody else, he's like, pick them up. I'll take more. And, and to think about the desperation of the men, no, nobody came back after like the third hour. So the fact that these men are still standing there shows just how desperate they are. Think about people going about their day in the marketplace, maybe even their own wives and kids, walking by and seeing them standing there with nothing, just looking like a fool. And the master's like, yeah, that's not okay with me. I care about you. And so I'm going to go back and make sure, I'm even going to take a lap at the 11th hour when it makes no sense for the productivity of my vineyard. This is more of a hassle for me. But I don't care. It's not a hassle. Because I care about you. And so when he sees those men standing there, he's like, get in. Come on. Let's go to work. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so now... Our fourth point, I can see. What life is open to me now that I can see? When Jesus takes care of this darkness in me that is coloring the way that I see everything, 
what is now possible? Well, think about this. These first workers, instead of being put out, they should have rejoiced that they work for a master who goes out at the 11th hour and hires people and pays them a full day's wage because guess what that means? It means that you always have a job. It means that if I'm a first hour worker, I should be celebrating that this master lives in my town and he is always doing dumb stuff like hiring people at the 11th hour and paying them for a full day. So I am always going to be okay. I should celebrate that. I can come to this street corner anytime and get access into the vineyard. And I will always have enough. I will always have my needs met. It reminds me, as I read this, if you're familiar with the story of uh, the prodigal son, that was also something we've covered in this series. It's in Luke 15, if you want to go back and read it. But it's what the father says to the older son, who's got the same kind of problem. He says, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. If you want something, just ask for it. Because the master is sitting here saying, your needs will always be met in my vineyard. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Anything you need, I will take care of it. And so you know what? Just ask. Just ask. And maybe some of the things that you're asking for and he doesn't seem to be giving you, maybe that's a mercy. Maybe he says no because these things are distracting and they are keeping us from life. So I'm free. I'm free from comparison I don't have to worry what's happening in your life because I know that I'll always have what I need. Man, think about living like that. It's like I can't even almost imagine living like that. It's just so foreign. What would happen to Instagram <laughs> if we lived like that? I, feel, I would feel sorry for them. I'm free from comparison. I'm free from a life of anxiety about this orphan mentality of not having enough. Listen to what God says in Psalm 127 too. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. You don't have to work yourself into the ground because you may not have enough. He's going to take care of you. I'm free from greed. I can, I can be like my master now. He is, he is transforming me. He's giving me a heart like his. I can go into the streets looking for people who are in need and invite them into the vineyard too. And I don't have to be afraid of running out of resources. I'm free to give based on need, not on what is deserved. Because I'll never run out. I will never run out. And I can give it all away because in doing that, I get what I've been looking for this whole time, which is just the master. It's just life with the master in the vineyard. That's what I was made for. That's what you were made for. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And remember, we're a kingdom of priests. And think about this. Jeremiah 31, 14 says this. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness. 
Jesus is coming and cutting this cancer out of our hearts so that we can experience abundant life with him, so that we can experience goodness and graciousness and generosity and joy. And so that we can be satisfied with his goodness forever, starting now. Father, you are a good, good master. You are so kind. You are so gracious. And we invite you now to come into our lives this week, even in this very moment. Come into our lives as as the master in this parable and say, friend, let me help you see. Lord, we welcome you to come and convict us of sin Convict us of the places where we are envious and coveting. Places where we are running to the wrong places for life. And please give us yourself. Lord, give us more of yourself. Give us more of you so that we can experience life in the vineyard, working alongside you, bringing life and health and healing to the men and women you've put in our lives. Lord, help us to to worship and enjoy you even now as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.